Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to Body One Watch the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question, is it pronounced Khan or Can? Nobody knows. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. Is it Cans? No, it's, it's Khan or Cans. Khan. Can. I think it's I think they I think if you like they they said Wrath of Khan, right? No, I'm talking about the film festival. <laughs> the film festival. Sorry, what? I'm talking about the Star Trek villain. I'm pretty sure. Right, that's okay, that's a bit confused. I thought I was talking about the classic Star Trek villain. No. Khan. Khan. Can. Or also the Magic the Gathering Planeswalker. Khan. On today's episode of What You Watch, we'll be talking about what's our history, covering a little bit of film news, giving you this week's top three and giving some thumbs to trailers. Uh, I'll kick things off. We talked about last week, The Muppets Mayhem, the new Muppets TV series that came to Disney+. Plus. Uh, all episodes came out at the same time, focusing on Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Uh, the classic band that's been part of the Muppets canon for since the Muppet show, um, finally get the headline, their own TV series, uh, starring Lily Singh. She's an executive, uh, for a record label, like, but it's a very, like a record label that's about to go out of business, you know? Um, and, uh, as she's asked to shred documents, she finds a, uh, contract, for Electric Mayhem, uh, who uh, signed a deal to do a album for them that never, but they never did the album because you know they're Electric Mayhem, they're they're party all day, all the time, kind of people just go about the business. So she wrangles up Electric Mayhem to come in and record their first ever album, despite you know being a band for fifty something years. Um. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. I mean, it is very Muppety, you know, it's that brand of humor. Um, it's very simplistic. I mean, it's obviously very much a kid's show. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable. I mean, there's a lot of like simplistic storylines. Uh, Lily Singh has a sister who's TikTok is obsessed. She's a big social media influencer and that kind of stuff. So uh, they kind of butt heads and that kind of stuff. And it's about fam family and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the more interesting elements are like delving into the actual members of the electric mayhem and kind of expanding their backstories and that kind of stuff, um, in ways that I don't think I've ever seen the story kind of expanded, but you know, cause they've always kind of been bit players as they're not the, the Kermit or Miss Piggy or any Gonzo or anything. So, um, kind of explaining how the band kind of got together and the how animal came about <laughs> how animal you know he's got a very tragic backstory you know he was left on floyd's porch as a child you know and you just took him in that's how animal <laughs> came in um but yeah they go in, it it kind of weirdly does go in a very classic uh band musical story you know uh, they record the album and then they kind of go their separate ways and they come back together for the one big last show. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time. Lots of silly, fun cameos. Uh, one in particular, Kevin Smith's in the series playing a domic. He's doing a documentary on the making of the album. Uh, that's, a, that's a joke about his Prince documentary. Do you know about I mean, this? No. So he was, he was, he was hired, got asked like to, to film Prince. Well, at the time he was known as the symbol, um, <laughs> or whatever, however you prefer. Um, and then, uh, he did this, all this stuff. And then Prince apparently like decided that he didn't want to like do it anymore. And like took all the footage and like locked it in the safe, never to be ever seen again. And then that, that's it. It's a thing that it's a thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. That was at the time. It's interesting because it's actually in that may be it, but it also seems like it's a joke about Peter Jackson doing the way back oh, the yeah. Beatles because Peter Jackson does end up <laughs> cameo the episode. Very amusing. 
yeah, lots of people in this. Uh, I don't want to ruin all the surprises, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. Lots of catchy songs. Um, music done by Michael Giacchino. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think Lily Singh is really good. Uh, she's fits in very well with the Muppets. She's got a lot of those kind of facial expressions and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, a fun kid friendly time in, on Disney plus. So check out the Muppets mayhem. Uh, also last week I mentioned crater, uh, another Disney plus, uh, original movie, uh, it's about a bunch of kids who uh, who live on the moon. <laughs> so there's a mining colony on the moon that is mining helium. But oh, yeah, uh, that's right. This is the Ad Astra spinoff. Kind of, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's kind of dark. <laughs> uh, so it centers around this main kid. Oh, I don't have any names in front of me. Hang on. The Ad Astra was dark too. It's very dark in Space Ash. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this main kid, Caleb, uh, whose dad just died in the mines uh, on my, on the moon. Uh, and as part of the agreement that his dad signs uh, to work, because they sign like 20-year contracts uh, at the mine. And once the 20 years are done, they can they take the, they get a spot for them and their family on a spaceship to uh, a planet like a faraway planet colony, like uh, called Omega. Uh, so they get cryologically frozen and then they get shipped off to Omega, which is like meant to be the new utopia or whatever. Um, but the thing is when a lot of <laughs> classic story, uh, if, uh, if you take any time off or anything, it gets added to your sentence or like your 20 years. Um, and then if you, pass away before your 20 years are up that the time remaining gets added onto your children's time and as soon as they turn 18 they have to start working in the mines it's like a very fucked up system <laughs> uh but this kid's father died uh his dad played by kid Cuddy. um he had this crater on the moon that he and his mother the the mother would go to and visit and he said it was always the plan they would take a road trip there so uh, Caleb and his friends decide to take a road trip before he's, he gets sent off to Omega. Um, so yeah, it's like a fun little silly road trip movie. Well, not silly. There's like some uh, deeper meaning and that kind of stuff. But uh, these kids kind of like uh, you know, venturing across the moon, doing silly things like playing, playing with oxygen tanks and... <laughs> pretending to play baseball games on the moon where there's like no gravity and that kind of stuff. I think it's very fun. Um, visually it's like pretty solid. Like it, you know, it looks like they're on the moon. <laughs> um, yeah. And all the kids are really great. Um, probably the only one people would know would Grace McKenna from, uh, Ghostbusters, um, afterlife. Uh, but yeah, I found it really moving and that, uh, the kids are really great. Enjoyable little movie uh dylan you watched air which is now available on prime video i did i um i thought it was pretty decent i feel like it's uh it goes too deep into anything it's just uh i think it takes a story that you probably would have never heard about unless you were like super into sports history i guess it's not the, the sort of thing that you're just going to randomly come across and it just tells you, tell, it tells it to you. It makes it interesting as it is. It just sort of keeps it a bare minimum. But yeah, I I find everything, I found like I was engaged for the movie, but I didn't really care about anyone, if that makes sense. Like I don't, I don't really care about, there's a, there's a scene later in the movie where, um, um, what the fuck? What's the, uh, Bateman's character. Yeah. Bateman's character is like talking to. Um, Matt Damon's character about, you know, like this big risk they're taking and his kids and, you know, mentions his divorce and all these things. I'm like, I just don't even care. I ain't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'll just, like, <laughs> they try to add like sort of a human element, but I just, I, I just sort of, all the people, I know they, they're real people, but they were all just sort of, they were just moving pieces of this puzzle. 
Um, and I also definitely felt like the whole keeping Michael Jordan out of the picture, but also having him talk at times was very weird. Like if he never talked, it would maybe be a little bit different, but there's those, but having those couple scenes where you like hear a voice, but you never actually see the, anything but the back of the head. There's an interesting odd choice. Um, also the scene where they fly out and they speak to um, the character played by uh, Marlon Wayans or whatever. And that being in the movie solely because Michael Jordan was like, that dude's super important to me in real life. And um, that scene's just very odd. Like pacing wise, these Matt Damon is like, I'm getting on a plane. I got to go see a dude or whatever. Like it's just, just, yeah. just sort of like, and then you never hear anything about that dude ever again or whatever else. Until the end um, credits, yeah. <laughs> until the end credits. So like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That motherfucker was in here. Uh, yeah, I think the way it he all has comes the together, most random thing story. Yeah, yeah, it just goes. Like, no, it goes that can't be true. Yeah, apparently it's true. So, yeah, right. I googled it afterwards. So, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was decent. I'd probably yeah sit around like a six and a half to a seven ish. Decent movie with a much more interesting, I think, real world story than the the movie is uh, as it as itself but um it definitely had me like you know by the time the movie finished i was quickly like googling all these you know little, doing a little bit of fact checking and, and stuff like that and then also just the, the other random tidbits about how like they did this whole thing about how at the time you could only have 50 you had to have 51 percent white on your shoes and they were going to pay this fine and stuff and then i'm like well, when the fuck did that change because that ain't a thing anymore because yeah. i see clips of nba on twitter and that that definitely isn't a thing um but yeah it was it, it was decent uh, so on Apple TV Plus, I watched the new documentary, Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, which released on Friday, <laughs> despite all the information we had saying it was going to release on Monday. Love that. Uh, love that. Um, so yeah, it's a documentary about the life of Michael J. Fox. Uh, of course, the man you know from Back to the Future and, you know, Family Ties and Spin City and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and of course, uh, dealing with his diagnosis of uh, having Parkinson's. Um, yeah, really well put together. Uh, like they've edited it in a way where a lot of what he's talking about, they're able to make it seem like he's, like it. they actually have actual footage of Michael J. Fox during the time. But a lot of it is just pulled from like different projects that he obviously was working on uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think there's anything like revelatory or anything. Obviously, uh, anybody who's kind of followed his career kind of knows what his trajectory and that kind of stuff. Um, but as someone who maybe hasn't like deep dived into Michael J. Fox's career or like only really knows him from his big tentpole movies, um, this was a really deep, interesting deep dive into his uh, how he came up in the industry. Like I know barely anything about Family Ties, but. Uh, obviously, that was a massive show, and he was a massive part of it being a success. Um, it's crazy. They talk about how he filmed Back to the Future while doing Family Ties at the same time, and he would like he would shoot Family Ties, then go shoot Back to the Future, uh, and then get dropped off at home and have like four hours sleep, and then go back and do it again. It was like kind of a crazy situation. Um, that's but one yeah, of the reasons I think, why he wasn't in the movie in the first place, and they had Eric Stoltz. So. Yeah, I mean, they yeah they definitely go into detail as to how he got the project and got involved in that kind of stuff. Uh, but of course, also dealing with explain talking about his uh, learning like very early on in his career, like how he got Parkinson's or how he learned he had Parkinson's and kind of kept it to himself and like uh, was very much a workaholic and like would the techniques that he used to hide that he had Parkinson's, like they talk about like at one point he says, Oh, I would, you know, I would, I would have a tick in my left hand, but you know, if I was doing something with my left hand, it wasn't noticeable. So like they have a lot of cuts from different films or TV shows or projects, like of him doing stuff with his left hand to, to emphasize that, you know, he was, he was working to like trick people and that kind of stuff. Um, also cut with like current footage of Michael J. Fox, like doing therapy and that kind of stuff to try and, you know, keep active and combat the effects of Parkinson's as much as humanly possible. Uh, yeah, I found it really, a really fantastic documentary. The, my only complaint is it just kind of ends. It doesn't, you know, it, do, it does have like a slight 
swell, you know, ending kind of thing, but it just kind of ends. It doesn't feel like... This is one of those things of making a documentary about someone while they're still alive. Like, there's no... Yeah. It is a... Yeah, it doesn't really climax or have, like, you know, you would expect, like, a documentary to have, like, a bunch of, like, people come in and say, like, really nice things about him and how important his stuff he was. That's the other thing. It's, like, all told from Michael Michael J. Fox and the director are the only voices. Oh, and his wife. They're the only people, like, interviewed, you know. Like, there's not a bunch of Vox Pops or whatever, uh, or talking heads. Um, and it's a lot of the narration, I f- think, is pr- pulled from his autobiography, because uh, they do have him, like, reading passages from his biograph- autobiography and that kind of stuff, so. But yeah, on Apple TV+, Plus, it's been really good. I would recommend checking it out. Um, just, yeah, really well edited together, and, like, a really good portrait of a man who obviously... Uh, kind of had was one of the biggest movie stars in the world at one point uh and then you know had to had a terrible diagnosis yeah uh dylan i thought you've caught up on ted lasso what are your thoughts on season so season three of ted lasso so far i'm enjoying it i think it's uh i'm still of the mind that i'm i'm like i don't know what else there is to do i feel like that i feel like i see the end but they haven't announced the show's ending. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if That's they've the... confirmed it yet. <laughs> no, but I, I just like it. Just feels like we're approaching a point of like a, a good wrap up to to everything, basically. Or it feels like we are anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I like the way, like in this most recent episode, they sort of start. I don't know. It's hard not. Well, fuck. No spoilers. Um, they start sort of hinting at pushing Keely back towards. Um, What's his fuck? Um, Roy. Roy, which I'm all about. Please, yes. Please. It, that's the ship nation over there, you know? Um, so I like that. I, um, the very random romance that spurred up for uh, Hannah Waddingham's character most recently. That was a, so interesting to see what happens uh, happens there. Uh, Troy, uh, Troy. Ted obviously still dealing with his anxiety and stuff is being, I feel like it's been pulled nearly thin at this point i just need him to like i don't know we had that whole breaking just point just get over it just no 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 <laughs> i'm just like i don't know like because they had the they had the the season finale with obviously the huge breakdown and then we did the season of um the therapy lady and stuff like that and now it feels like we're just like we're now building back up to having a therapy lady come back into the show you know what I, mean? I feel like we're like sort of i'm like i, I, I don't know what the like obviously the story's playing out as him like accepting his wife's moved on and yes all this sort of stuff but i, I feel like every time I, I get a step forward it's uh, the show like sort of takes two steps i don't know but very very iffy about that storyline and the way it's sort of being played out but um the stuff with um old betrayer over at the other night um night i'm i'm liking the direction that's taken uh, at first, it was like every time they switched over to his character, the first couple of episodes, I was like, eh, fuck off, fuck face, you know, like, you little piece of shit. Um, but now <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sort of like this. I'm hopeful at the moment for a redemption arc. <laughs> um, mm. The love of a good woman can do to a man, you know, sort of, <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Um, also, Jamie's been really good this season. Um, I don't feel like I need a big story arc for him anymore. It's just he had his thing, and now he's just sort of he's just he's a character. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, story arc is being a good player. Story arc's being a good player. I feel like the other major story arc, obviously, that's played out has been the I can't, uh, what's his name, Craig Ken Colin no, Colin Colin story playing out. Um, it felt hammy at times, but I do feel like the last episode like did a good job at like go like finishing that off and, and doing the storyline that they want to do of that, especially in the, I guess the sports environment, which is usually very, a um, uh, homophobic, I guess, or, you know, like, or at least portrayed yeah. or predominantly in men's sports, macho, men's sports. Yeah. 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 So I, I like the way it played out, but I would say that up until that, it was like, there was times where I was like, I don't know how I'm feeling about like, it was, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it. Ted Lasso is still good. 
yeah, I'm really enjoying the series so far as well. I think, um, yeah, three episodes left uh, at time of recording. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to land, but uh, I'm looking forward to finding out. I just find it interesting that online there is such a... A lot of people have turned on the show. That's um, weird, yeah. Yeah, like to the extent where I've seen several articles from pretty reasonable outlets saying that, you know, season three of Ted Lasso was like taking a turn for the worse. Um, or like a lot of people like saying, you know, they don't care about the show except for season one and that kind of stuff. Um, and I can understand season one was like a perfectly constructed season of television, I think. Mm. Um, with a clear antagonist, a clear like goal for what the season was going to get, get have, and uh, the show kind of grew in new and different directions, like um, that you know wasn't going to be for everybody. Mm. <laughs> um, and I understand that this season has maybe been a little bit heavy-handed with some of its uh, messaging. Um, there was I've one seen- scene in particular that is just—I will admit, like I saw a few people point out online. It's it is is not well <laughs> it's the i think it's the corniest scene in the the show's history i i'm totally down with the messaging and it's the it's the one where they're talking about the the leaked images uh yeah that sort of one that conversation between all of them sitting there in that room very weird <laughs> yeah i think yeah that was probably the the most uh obvious uh like i've you know a lot of Americans have been saying afternoon special well, because, you know, a lot of their afternoon children's programming would be like very heavy messaging about things that you should and shouldn't do. Um, that episode is interesting because obviously it's co-written by Keely Hazel, who uh, plays R- young Rebecca, <laughs> um, who had like a leaked imaging or leaked sex tape kind of thing happen to her. So uh, you could... Uh, from that perspective, you can stand, understand why she would like some of the stuff maybe a little bit more on the nose or heavy-handed. Um, but, you know, there's been lots of really good storylines and that kind of stuff. And, like, sure, the, some of the messaging is, like, maybe a little bit too on the nose, but I found it, you know, maybe we could do with more, like, heavy-handed messaging, I think, across the board. Um, I, I think it's the show's really still very funny. I think I laughed several times last episode, like, the whole hairy ass thing with Roy in the I've watched that like five or six times. Uh none of forgive you. you. Said a thing. <laughs> He's right. We're cowards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah just the whole narrative around the show is quite interesting. No, like you know what made me fucking laugh. Actually I just remember yeah. the, the scene that had me last was just walking into uh, the room and um Coach, um, coach, whatever his name is, the second coach, just arguing about fucking the best <laughs> bass player, whatever the hell it was, <laughs> losing, losing his fucking mind. Stay away to heaven as a glorified finger <laughs> exercise, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was good shit. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see like uh, the discussion around the show. I don't think you know for a show that's still fantastic uh, to have alienated a lot of its viewers. I think it's. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Ted Lasso, I, we recommend still checking it out. Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful for a Nate redemption arc. I think they're definitely leaning in that direction. Uh, I like the courtship between him and Jade. You know, even though it is incredibly awkward at times. It's, like, hard to watch <laughs> how <laughs> awkward. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's definitely leaning towards uh, an ending at least for Ted. Yeah, for Ted. It's interesting because this season, yeah. I would argue, is the least Ted-filled season. Hmm. I definitely feel like there's a lot more story with other characters, but for Ted, I just feel like I'm, I don't know what the... See, I pitched before the season even started, just spin off. <laughs> just do a Richmond FC series. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, Dylan, you watched the latest Hannah Gadsby special, Someone Special, Something Special. Uh, yeah. The So after Nanette and the other one, Doug- Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> Took a second. 
uh, which were both. So Nanette was obviously this massive special comedy special slash TED talk. We loved it. Um, won Hannah all these awards. Uh, was well praised, etc., etc., etc. Douglas comes in as the uh, response to that, um, like meta discussion around that and what happens and all that sort of stuff still feels very similar this feels like it sort of shut this this feels like the closing of a trilogy if you could um and it's a lot it's sort of like an arc of i'm gonna quit comedy the world's terrible i hate everything to whoa what the fuck happened i'm famous now what what the fuck to now this one's hey i met a publicist on the first day of touring Nanette, um, I'm now married to that woman, and I'm very happy now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a whole arc of things, and this definitely feels like because the thing with Hannah Gadsby's stuff is, um, I think I, I probably said this before, but I remember the first time I ever seeing Hannah Gadsby was Rove Live, stand up yes. on that, and straight away being like, oh comedian from tasmanian was the introduction i said tazzy has comedians <laughs> like, oh, uh, was my thing um and uh, like i've always joked about for people down down here because uh hannah comes from a bum fucked <laughs> terrible town if you know where it is um so it's all these funny things but this latest comedy special i guess it it, it feels Closer to typical stand-up, like just more funny jokes, but also almost like a new version. It's almost like you had you have OG Hannah Gadsby specials, then you have these two I hate everything, I need to talk about and get all this shit off my chest era. And now we're sort of in this this new era of getting older, married happy with life <laughs> for the most part i mean there's still obviously <laughs> things to, to talk about but yeah it's, it's, it feels like a, a different thing there so that may 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 or may not be for some people if you if what you loved was the nanette douglas sort of stuff i feel like this is not it's none of that um if you like og hannah gadsby stuff this is not that it's sort of sort of uh in the middle uh, across there but i enjoyed it i think there's some very funny setups early in the special that have really good payoffs for jokes later in the end. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the typical sort of this is back to sort of traditional Hannah Gatsby, very Australian sort of delivered jokes is what I would, I, the way I would put it. So I enjoyed it. I'd suggest watching. All right. Uh, you also watched a few other comedy specials. Uh, May Martin's ASAP and also a special us. One of those, um, I didn't. I watched last year, and I forgot the ticket off. And then the other one's a new one, which I watched, which I well, think is called um, Sap. So, yeah, Sap's the new one. Yeah. So the other one, I, I, I was like, oh fuck, I watched this last year. Anyway, I just ticked it off now. Sorry. Um, Sap is. I couldn't remember when I watched it last year. I knew it was last year, but um, Sap is. Yeah. So new May Martin special. Um, it was decent. I don't feel like it was good as the other one. Uh, it's very much like coming out. It's again, it's, it's another, we're going to have like a whole bunch of these stand up specials of people coming out of COVID, getting ring rust off for stand up, I feel. Um, and then also having to spend time discussing their thoughts on COVID. And this is the May Martin equivalent of that stand up special. Uh, but yeah, I've, if you like May Martin humor, which I don't even know how to describe it. So I've, I've watched the other special after really liking that show, which I can't remember what it was even called now. They've got two seasons of Netflix. This is, I don't know, whatever. I really liked it. It was really good. I remember the name. Fucking, how good was that? I think it was on my top 10. <laughs> anyway, it was really good. So if you like that sort of humor. Feel good. Feel good. Yeah. If you like that sort of humor and uh, sort of real life discussion, I guess, what do you call it? Like realist humor? Then yeah. I'd say it's, but it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. And another one was, uh, what's his fun? You watched High and Dry by Jeff Jeffries. Yeah. So this is, I feel like you should know, most. Jeffries is probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular Australian comedian. 
I feel like at the moment, at least on an international level. Um, he's come back and he's got this show on the TV at the moment or whatever, the 1% or some shit. Um, this was funny. This was good. This is also, again, just another comedian hitting on several of the hot topics at the moment. What do we hit on? We hit on, we hit on COVID. We hit on, let's let me as a comedian talk about other comedians talking about trans people, you know, like all these sorts of things. Um, it's some of the stuff is very like, um, like whatever. I was like, just, just, you get, I, I'm very much like, I'm on the line with some of these jokes of, I feel like are good intentioned and I can tell they're good intentioned and they're not bad. Whereas like the Dave Chappelle stuff and the reason I don't watch his stuff anymore is let me just complain about trans people for an hour and then be like, Oh, it's a joke. I, I have nothing against them. I'm like, I think you do <laughs> You spend an hour. <laughs> like, oh, no, no. Um, there's some funny fucking, there's some pretty funny bits in this though, especially around, um, the, the one part that had me laugh for quite a lot was he does a whole thing on, um, uh, what's the show? M- Married, Married at First Sight or I don't know, whatever. The one where they like hand roses the people and they live in a house and there's like 13 guys and one girl and whatever else. It could literally be any of them. Yeah, any of that. There's like a whole, but he does like quite a funny like 10 minute bit on that. Um, <laughs> he also this has like quite a funny joke about his telling his dad he's going to get a vasectomy and his dad's like, oh no. You don't want to do that. Some like his humor is very like um <laughs> gross and blunt at time. It's like <laughs> fast forward 30 seconds if you want to hear a gross joke. But he's like, you don't want to do that, son. Cause some women, they like to see the cum. <laughs> and then he's like, he said, Dad, if you get a vasectomy, you still come. You just can't get pregnant. He's like, and then he goes, Oh, my dad's then some of my dad's like, nah, do it then. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like here's my 84 year old dad thinking that men have been shooting dust out their dicks for 20 years <laughs> <laughs> so there are there's some there's some funny stuff in there but obviously it's, there's some yeah it's very if you've seen his stuff before you know some of it's very uh gross and just out there you know yeah all right i enjoyed it uh so i binge watched season three of queer eye oh season seven of queer eye Jeez, this I'm time like- they're in new orleans it's fine. It's the same stuff. I don't think there's like a particularly standout episode this season. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's more of Queer Eye. Um, you know, very enjoyable. Uh, a lot of deserving heroes again this season. I don't think that, well, there's one deli owner who's kind of a dick. Uh, but, you know, he's trying his best to learn from his mistakes and that kind of stuff. Um I do this season they've moved away from like them watching a video package back at the end of the episode and kind of reacting to that, which is interesting. And it, it, I don't know. It just takes, you know, there's a formulaic element to this show that Mm. they've kind of altered by not doing that. And I don't, they haven't found a like perfect way to end each episode. I feel like this season, um, but that's kind of like a very small nitpick. And I feel like, you know, obviously if you've enjoyed Queer Eye, you know, it's more of those guys doing the same sort of thing, helping these people who need to be helped and like crazy transformations and massive makeovers and uh, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, if you need some feel good television, Queer Eye season seven, it's more of it. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't really get a New Orleans feel other than, you know, them playing brass jazz music in the intro and like him saying uh what's the things just keep getting better in new orleans that's how they <laughs> intro every episode so yeah all right that's everything in our watch history let's f- go into a little bit of film news not that there's much because i don't know if you know there's a writer strike going on at the moment. uh well yeah so that's still going on i guess the kind of big ramifications um the 76th annual tony awards were set to take place on the 11th of june but will no longer air via streaming or broadcasting the news comes in the wake of the ongoing writer strike uh which will affect film and television writers like the kind you who would write a telecast for an award show uh so this is also on the back of the peabody awards i want to say uh saying they're not going to hold their usual ceremony um but yeah i mean 
other than that, not a lot of news. Uh, you know, not a lot of updates on the writer strike. They're still going on. Uh, this week is TV upfronts, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plays out with the future of television kind of in doubt for a lot of probably shows that a lot of the networks uh, have planned. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. Of course, Khan is this week. uh, So we'll be talking about that next week. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing how these things play out. Uh, I guess one big story that's been doing the room, the one big rumor that's been doing the rounds uh, is around some of the casting news for Superman Legacy. People up for particular roles. Um, so I might address some of that. Uh, of course, the big role of Superman, there's a very short list, uh, but apparently the front runner is Pearl star David Cornsweat, uh, who I have happily been on the bandwagon for several years to get the <laughs> role of Superman. So uh, to see that he's potentially in the running is very exciting for me. Um other people rumored to be around the Superman role include Jacob Lordy, uh, as well as British actors Tom Brittany and Andrew Richardson. On the short list of actors considered to be playing uh, reporter Lois Lane, they include uh, sex education star Emma Mackey, Marvel Supernatural star Rose- Rachel Brosnahan, Bridgerton star Phoebe Dinevor, and Scream 6 star Samara Weaving. Uh, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, Nicholas Holtz has been penciled in for the role of Lex Luthor. Uh, people have been discussing Holtz as a pitch performer in Superman Legacy for a while, some suggesting he might be playing Superman. Uh, Deadline senior editor seems to think Holt is still up for soups, but it's entirely impossible he's the audition for both. Uh, Dylan, oh, of course, and James Gunn came out as his rumors were spreading uh, and tweeted, for all who are asking, I never comment who was auditioning or isn't auditioning for the role. That's the actor's business only. Uh, and he said, only one person has been cast in Superman Legacy and isn't any of the regular players in the Superman world. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on these casting rumors for Superman Legacy? Um, all the people for Superman I don't really care about, to be completely honest. And not in a way, like, I think they're all terrible. It's just Superman casting in itself doesn't, I don't know. Like, I just don't. It's hard to, like, I feel like I just need to see it. I, I can't predict yeah i struggle to go oh yeah because especially because the superman part of being superman is a lot of cgi and whatever just muscle suit and whatever it's the it's the clark kent and the, the i don't know it's, it's that's flight. hard emma mckay as lois i think is great pick i actually i can actually see that and i think that'd make any especially if we're going to go for a younger superman in a younger yes. like time period and whatever else i think that's good and in that case i also feel like i could picture nicholas holt as a slightly older than the superman like because that works then like if you have a if you if you if you go for a little bit younger lois and clark and then you know nicholas holt sort of fits in there at that good age you have like a 20s and then you've got like a 30s yeah so it's only a slight gap but he he is nicholas holt can do everything so i can picture him as a either super serious or manical duck sleuther so i'm i'm fine with that yeah i think Nicholas Holt as Lex Luthor, that's a very interesting pick. Because it does, you could go any direction with that. Because he can do pretty much anything, like you said. Um, and I think it looks solid, bold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg wasn't a terrible Lex Luthor, but yeah. uh, Nicholas Holt would be a good fit. Although Nicholas Holt as Superman is would also be interesting. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I get, again, it's a wait and see exactly what's happened here. Uh, this news story caught my attention. Uh, you know, uh, Dylan, how would you like to get a free 55-inch 4K television? How big? What if I told you? Inch? What? Did you say 54 inches? 55. Right, I was like, what the fuck? That's not 55 really inch 4K television. Sure, I won't say no. But there's one catch. Okay. The unit has a nine inch high second screen affixed to the bottom of the set. 
which is the real estate of the company called Telly, who will use it for displaying news, sports scores, weather and stocks, or even letting users play video games. Uh, critically, Telly's second screen features a dedicated space on the right-hand side that will display advertising, ads you can't skip past, and ads that stay on the screen the entire time you're watching TV. Even what when the you're fuck? Not. <laughs> no. No. No? No. <laughs> That's not a good trade-off? No. It's always on, right? So then it's always draining electricity. Well, I mean, you could turn it off in the main. <laughs> <laughs> like, our good friend Buddy Watson does with the PlayStation. How the fuck do you concentrate on anything if you've got an ad running constantly on the side? No, this is terrible. I hate everything about this. Next. Thank you, next. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is obviously something they're doing in the States uh, from a company called Telly. Uh, yeah, they're giving away 500,000 free 4K TVs with this uh, second screen. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was the other thing? Uh... Uh, when you sign up through the company's app, Telly will ask for specific demographic TV viewing and lifestyle info, which the company will use to ad target address addressable ads to individual households. The TV also has a built-in sensor that can detect the number of people who are watching at any particular time. Uh, Dylan, my solution to this is very simple. You just create like a cardboard box or something in front of that second TV. Then you don't have to look at it. <laughs> and then it thinks nobody's watching all the time. But I'm also like, if if you got someone who knows what they're doing, could you not just get it and get someone to just open the screen panel and just like take out the one cord that displays the image? Probably. And then they, they still think it's playing ads, but it's there's not. nothing being displayed. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of way you could work this in your favor. So yeah. If you're in the States and you're interested in a free television, <laughs> check out Telly. Uh, all right, let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes of the podcast. Uh, first trailer for this week, The Crowded Room, created by Akiva Goldsman, uh, starring Tom Holland, Amanda Seyfried, Emmy, Ros Emmy Rossum, Sasha Lane, Will Chase, Leo La Raz, Layla Robbins, and Henry Eikenberry. Danny Sullivan, a man who was arrested following his involvement in a shooting in a New York City in 1979. Uh, a captivating thriller told through a series of interviews with curious interrogator Raya Goodwin. Danny's, stories, Danny's life story unfolds, revealing elements of the mysterious past that shaped him and the twists and turns that lead him to a life-altering revelation. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? Are you disappointed? It's not a... Uh, the the doc <laughs> It's not the biopic of the... The founding of Crowded House. What? <laughs> no, I'm butchered the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because it's called the Crowded Room. Ooh. Right, got you. Um, I'll go one up, one down. Uh, I think seeing Tom Holland with long hair is weird. Uh, yes. but otherwise, interesting little trailer. I don't really know what's going on. Also, the way trails paced, I was waiting for a, like based on a true story, but then it didn't come. It just felt like it was building up to that. Um, I think it does at some point. Like, does it based on real events or something? Does it? Okay, or it's based right. on a book that is a nonfiction book. So. Okay, right. Uh, that might make a bit more sense as to how trails pace then. But uh, yeah, I'll go one up, one down. I uh, I think it looks interesting, but I also feel like the I don't know. It just looks very um. Uh, TV daytime, something about the way it was shot. Just, it just seems to have no stylization or anything going on. A bit odd. Just looks very uh, telly movie, I guess, rather than a. I know it's on Apple TV, but I got yeah. It doesn't look like a feature film, you know. Yeah, I'll go one up, one down as well. Um, it looked, it's got an interesting enough premise, I guess. Uh, but none of the performance particularly sold me on this. You know, so. Uh, also, this it's this weird distinction. Like, is this a TV series? Is it a movie? It's like I wish they would kind of be a bit, bit more clear in these trailers. Um, but yeah, uh, the Crowded Room is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 9th of June. 
Next trailer for this week, Run Rabbit Run, directed by Dana Reed, starring uh, Sarah Snook, Lily Latour, Damon Harriman, and Greta Scacchi. Uh, as a fertility doctor, Sarah has a firm understanding of the cycle of life. However, when she is forced to make sense of the increasingly strange behavior of her young daughter, Sarah must challenge her own beliefs and confront a ghost from her past. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for an Australian horror movie? Uh, yeah, double thumbs up. Looks really, really, really good. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'm all about it. <laughs> uh, no, I mean the the premises of it. The premise is interesting as it is. It's like you know, it's a fertility doctor who loses a sister who now is a kid, and then the kids like saying that she's her lost sister. A lot going on there. Um, very Alice down the looking through the looking glass stuff going on, and then the rabbit and whatever else. Um, Sarah Snook, obviously most popular at the moment for um, Succession, Succession, but uh, seeing her do something else that's not that uh, character, because obviously I've, I remember last time I know she was in that movie you watched. I never got around to watch the the fucking the I fell into a, a vat of pickles or whatever. Um, Pickle. Yeah, <laughs> pickle man or whatever else, but like she was in, um, she's really good in pieces of woman and stuff. So, uh, good to see her come back and do a, uh, you know, something on her, her home, uh, home ground. I actually don't know if it's shot in wherever she's from, but she, I know she's from Australia. I don't know where in Australia. She's yeah. From, but... Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was shot here in Australia. No, uh, but I mean, I don't know where. I don't actually. I don't know if she's from Victoria or New South Wales or. Uh, Sarah Snook was born in Adelaide. Okay, well, so it was shot in South Australia. So, so there, there you go. go. <laughs> really home ground. There you go. Crazy. Uh, yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in watching it, but uh, you know, fucked up children. You know, it's very scary. You know, uh, then the whole rabbit like biting a hand. It's like, mm. Mm, you know. Uh, my question, did they come up with the premise of the story first or did they get the title first? Because, you know, there was that ad series of ads that ran that was using that Run, ab, run Rabbit Run song constantly during the... I can't remember when. Maybe 90s, early 2000s. Like, get an advertising thing, I want to say, for something. Like, yes, let's make a horror movie based around this stupid song. Uh, really? Which I don't think they got the rights for, but... That's that's what jogged in my memory when I heard the title of this movie. So, uh, but yeah, this is coming to Netflix on the twenty eighth of June. So that's a big release. Uh, yeah. Uh, next trailer, Flaming Hot, directed by Eva Longoria, starring Jesse Garcia, Amy Gonzalez, Annie Gonzalez, Dennis Hasbert, and Tony Shalhoub. Richard. Montanez, the son of a Mexican immigrant, was a janitor at Frito-Lay when it came up with the idea for Flamin' Hop Cheetos. His creation, inspired by the flavors of his community, revitalized Frito-Lay and disrupts the food industry. Dylan, what do you think of this Flamin' Hot trailer? Um, I'll go one up, one down. I think the story I'm intrigued by, but the, the movie itself just seems so annoyingly lively to the point of it's a bit too cartoony, if, if, if you know what I mean. Like, it just seems... They're like, hey, this is a true story, but the way everything's happening in the trailer makes it seem like it's not real. It's just some, some yeah, weird thing that isn't. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go one up, one one down. Yeah, I'll go one up, one down as well. Like, it's... Yeah, the tone of the trailer is a bit all over the place. Um to the extent like you know, used to be a gang member doing all this stuff and then it's like let's have a joke opening dream sequence uh unreliable narrator element mm-hmm. um but it looks like an interesting story it looks like it'll be quite amusing and obviously uh important to this community uh and i do enjoy watching that little kid get his mouth burnt but it's a good burn mm-hmm. burns yeah. good burns good yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch this coming to Disney Plus on the 9th of June, I think. Not confirmed by here at Disney Plus in Australia, but we'll see. Uh, next trailer, Reality, uh, directed by Tina Sattler, 
uh, starring Sydney Sweeney, Martin Davis, and Josh Hamilton. A former American intelligence specialist is given the longest sentence for the unauthorized release of government information to the media about Russian interference in the 2016 United States election via an email operation. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for reality? Uh, yeah, double thumbs up. I think this looks really good. I watched the teaser like, a couple months back whenever that came out, and then yep. since this dropped the other day, I watched it because um, I was already keen just on the, the premise and um, obviously being someone who thinks Sydney Sweeney's um, sort of got untapped uh, potential, I think, and this is looks like it could be a really good showcase for for that, as well as telling a, a super interesting story about a, a recent um, a recent event, obviously the during the Trump era and everything. So um, a story I know, but not all the facts of. So um, only what you know, what you read in the news news sites and stuff so yeah uh yeah double thumbs up i'm super keen for this one yeah this is double thumbs up from me as well i think it's like really well put together and really interesting obviously a story that we know but don't know no um i think the only off-putting thing is her name is reality winner which is like bizarre to i think us here in australia like it's just a really weird name (laughs) like um but yeah, just actually reading the story of how this film came together and it's based on a based on a play that someone did on the story uh, that went to broad off Broadway and that kind of stuff. So and then now being adapted uh, into a film by the director and writer of the the play, I think uh, really interesting. Uh, Sydney Sweeney looks really good. Um, obviously playing. Uh, I guess against type, like uh, from what I've seen of her so far. Um, but yeah, this looks really good. So excited to see this. It is coming to HBO Max on the 29th of May. Don't know when we're going to see it here in Australia. <laughs> Should be strange. Uh, Surely. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, last trailer for this week is for The Walking Dead, Dead City. Uh, created by Eli Jornet, uh, starring Lauren Cohen, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Gaius Charles, Jonathan Higginbottom, Machina Napoleon, Trey Santiago Hudson, and Charlie Solis. Maggie and Negan travel into a post-apocalyptic Manhattan, long cut off from the mainland. The crumbling city is filled with dead and denizens who have made New York City their own world, full of anarchy, danger, beauty, and terror. Dylan, what do you think of this latest the Walking Dead spinoff. Uh, double thumbs down. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I watched this and I was, I, yeah, I felt nothing. The void of life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it one up, one down. I think it looks fine. Obviously, as someone who has not watched 11 seasons of The Walking Dead, I'm not terribly invested. Um, I mean, it's an interesting, interesting setting. Like, obviously, of you never saw New York in the the Walking Dead universe, so you know how does a I guess how does a zombie apocalypse New York look? That could be interesting, uh, especially when it seems like the island has kind of submerged, which is a known fact. Like, if a bunch of generators around New York aren't running, the whole island will just sink so it looks like that's what's happened um but yeah i mean it just seems like lauren cole and jeffrey d morgan they're huge characters let's put them in a spin-off show together done just wash your hands of it and then move on to the next did you know there's like four other spin-off series coming yes when when did you drop off the walking dead um well i've I've, so let's put this in perspective i've read all of the comic books yes the show's terrible though um i dropped off (laughs) at season halfway through season three maybe okay no um, halfway through season three or four one of one of those that was negan even in the show by then no okay no i never got to negan 
And as much as much as it was cool when all the promos started popping up with him finally coming into the show and obviously him being such a prominent character and whatever else, I still could not have cared to come back to the, the TV world. And then reading about how drawn out a lot of his stuff was, again, which was my problem. Everything in the show was so fucking drawn out and tedious. And yeah, no, it wasn't for me. I couldn't. All right. Uh, that's all the trailers for this week. Let's do this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, we're doing top three picks from this year's Sydney International Film Festival. Of course, they just released their program uh, with the festival set to run from the 7th of June to the 18th of June. So lots of huge films uh, that we would be keen to watch. <laughs> but we're, we're not Sydney. going to. If you're in Sydney, these are the movies that we think you should go watch. So, Dylan, what's your number three? My number three. Let's make it really easy. My number three is reality. <laughs> so, the thing we was just talking about, that trailer that we just talked about that I just gave double thumbs up to, uh, that's my that would be my number three pick. I've purposely not picked anything we've talked about, like major stuff we've talked about a lot before. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so reality. Elemental and Astro City and all that. Yeah, I left, I left all that shit off, yes. I mean, same, so yeah, this worked out. Uh, my number three is a film called Biosphere, uh, starring Mark Duplass and Sterling K. Brown. Uh, debuted at TIFF last year. Uh, it's like a end-of-the-world story from first-time director uh, in which uh, Billy and Ray, played by the two actors, uh, live in a biodome and have to kind of apparently it's like a very smart imaginative comedy uh, i think it has like a 90 something on rotten tomatoes from 30 something reviews so uh and they say it's best to watch it without with uh uh the smart funny smart imaginative comedy is best entered knowing as little as possible so yeah that's always a good sign <laughs> uh so yeah that's my number three film what's your number two my number two is The New Boy, the new Warwick Thornton film, uh, director of Sweet Country and um, Samson and Delilah. Um, this one has Kate Blanchett starring as a uh, nun who sort of, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, hold, sorry. I think she plays a nun and then this like nine-year-old uh, Aboriginal boy shows up somehow and then, I don't know, stuff. I'm mostly keen because it's new Warwick Thornton film, basically. I don't really know much about the movie. First film <laughs> since uh, Sweet Country, which... Uh, yeah, which came out like 2000 fucking... I don't know, 17. Or something. <laughs> yeah, ages ago. So, um, Very good movie, though. You should all watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was going to be my number two, but I'll, I'll switch it up. Uh, my number two, Cobweb. Uh, this is a film showing at Cannes at the moment, uh, directed by Kim Ji-woon. We did uh, a tale of two sisters and the edge of shadows uh starring song song her kang ho from parasite uh who plays a director who uh wants to go back and reshoot his uh his latest film in the 1970s and kind of going into the stress and uh troubles of trying to accomplish that uh with uh, a bunch of crazy visions of what he should be doing so yeah that sounds like a good time so that's my number two. Dylan, what's your number one? Uh, my number one was How to Blow Up a Pipeline. So mm. this A24 film that will never come out here, uh, but I'd be keen to what watch it. What are you talking about? we got pipelines all well. <laughs> uh, this film's been really interesting, like reading about it in the, the news sphere because there was like, I can't remember who it was, but someone was trying to get it banned. Uh, <laughs> it was just because um, they were like, this movie is trying to tell people to actually go bomb fucking Yeah, this is a eco-terrorism, eco-terrorism and stuff like that propaganda movie, which, you know, I haven't seen it. I can't say if it is or not. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the storyline's basically a, a group of friends or whatever um, in California. From my understanding, they, you know, they're like... Um, they, I think one of their parents or something dies and then they sort of, you know, they're sick of their city being polluted and they try to, they just go to take some shit in their own hands. They decide to bomb a pot, blow up a pipeline. So, you know. As you do. As you do. So I'm all about it. I think it sounds really interesting. I, I'm very, very keen to watch this one. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Past Lives. 
the film directed by Celine Song, uh, debuted at Sundance and has been, I've seen people constantly bring it up ever since. Uh, also done by A24, following a woman who uh, reconnects with a long lost uh, childhood friend uh, uh, after she moves to, she's moved to America after growing up in Korea. Um, and yeah, looks really interesting. Obviously, lots of uh, hype around it. So, uh, also done by A24. And I think you won't be able to see it till much later in the year. So, if you can see it now, do it. Is it? I actually, so when all these went up the other day, I had a quick look at flights and stuff. And I was like, meh. No, I can't. Sydney's no. expensive. But I was like, meh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Fucking easy answer. It's Fast and Furious Ten, isn't it? Yeah, that's also mine. Yeah, easy, easy, easy pick for the the film. Uh, when are you going again? Wednesday. Tonight at time of recording. All right, tonight. Fucking hell, radio. So you, I don't get to go see it until well, Thursday night. So. Yeah. Um, but obviously Keen, big Fast and Furious uh, fan, up-down relationship with some of the movies, but I'm never not going to be excited for another Fast and Furious movie. Absolutely loving Twitter at the moment, seeing everyone point, uh, talk about, oh, pinpoint a part in the franchise where you lost all point of reality, and everyone's like, quote, tweet these Fast and Furious things, like, yeah, how fucking good's that? <laughs> like, everyone's <laughs> tweeting it like it's a negative. I'm like, hilarious. That scene? amazing like i'm like you just don't get it you just don't everyone points out all no. these things about this franchise that they try and shit on it every time a new one comes out twitter's just people being like this franchise is so ridiculous and i'm like yeah it is but how good <laughs> it is so yeah. um very keen also i love the fact that i thought i was preparing for this one and one more after this and then this last week vintage was like nah there's like three movies <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's happening anymore but it's yeah. it's it's never actually going to end yeah it's just no. it's 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 ending we all thought um, it's it's, it's going to be john farnham it's like <laughs> it's it's time again every single time and then there was all these stories apparently apparently um the fucking rocks back in this one was the so the rumor goes now is the rumor yeah is the rumor so that'll be super fucking interesting if it is because not only it, it would be like how the fuck did they manage to vin diesel make up with him but then you've got john cena and the rock in the movie together so um my tv show pick would be xo kitty by the way that would also be my pick uh but on final fantasy uh <laughs> fast x um yeah i'm keen i'm excited to go watch it tonight i rewatched nine for the first time last night and then in anticipation um yeah uh yeah i've seen a couple of reactions to the film uh on just on twitter so like very vague uh with it maybe not being the best one uh but jess Manuel being fantastic so i'm looking forward to that depends my being on who's talking about it i'm like do i care about your opinions on the fast and furious yeah. movie you know what i mean yeah uh also on the people sharing the clips like people sharing the the thing where they think Vin Diesel's catching a car. It's not Vin Diesel, and he doesn't catch the car. He gets <laughs> hit by that car. <laughs> it's just edited in a way to look like it. I know yeah, people are sharing trailer, that. What's yeah. that one's like the the part where the rock like breaks out of his um thing and says, "Daddy's got to go to work." Um, the that's just fantastic. Ju- ju- uh, speeding up and catching the plane. Um, and getting on top of it somehow, like all these fantastic moments, and people are sharing them as negatives. As I'm like, how good are these? Dunk it on it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I guess my question, Dylan, is justice coming? Aquaman's coming. That's the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then I was gonna say the only thing I was gonna say is that I will be fucking losing my mind if um. If Han and Jason Statham start making <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know. It's like, I, w- I loved you the entire time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying, uh, yeah, trying to kill this other guy. Actually, let's just rewrite the whole... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kitty XO, about the, the young girl from the All the Boys I Ever Loved franchise going to Korea, chasing the boy, uh, but it turns out he's dating somebody else. Mm. it looks like it'll be a good fun YA time so 
Yeah. Not a lot of streaming television this week. No. Surprisingly. Uh, let us know what you want to watch this week. Are you excited for Fast X? Uh, what did you think of this week's trailers? I'll tell you what else uh, I watched real quickly. I watched this week's episode of Silo, or the latest one, episode three. Have you watched that yet? Yes. Was that right before recording? That was a fucking intense episode of TV. It was. I'll tell you what. Okay. There's a show everyone should be watching. I know we talked about it last week, and I was like, this show's really fucking yeah. good. And you were like, oh, no, no, it's paced a bit weirdly. Episode three is a fucking banger. We're, we're, we're all off. They're, they're done repairing it, so there's, you know, there's yeah. all the changes gone. Okay. <laughs> Although it does end on like a crazy. It does end on a crazy cliffhanger. So that show's still. It does, good. yeah. It's got me. Uh, yeah, let us know by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here, what do you want to watch? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars and you can leave five stars. And if you've enjoyed this episode, thoughts with a dollar, head over to our Coke page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.